like to invite you to join me in John's third epistle. As you are turning, as we prepare to turn to God's Word, would you bow with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, as we come to Your Word, the Word that points us to You throughout, we pray that You would, you would anoint the reading and the preaching of Your Word so that we might indeed see You, that we might be transformed by You. Would You do this, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Michael outlined this for you a little bit last week that um, there are indeed three uh, epistles that John, the Apostle John has written for us in his first, it was more of a, a sermon offered to the broader church meant to give believers an assurance of their salvation in Jesus Christ. We then heard from John's second epistle last week, which, which honed in on three of those themes that he had laid out for the broader church in, in 1 John, but this second letter was meant for a particular local church. And he focused on truth, love, and peace. In his third epistle, he, he goes down the funnel from the broader church to the local church to a leader within the church. And he will specifically point us to truth. You'll hear that word often as I read this text. I want to encourage you as you hear the text to listen to how John defines truth. This is the inerrant and infallible Word of God. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Behold, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they've gone out for the sake of the name accepting nothing from the Gentiles, and therefore we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. 
Greet the friends, each by name. This is the word of the Lord. If I were to describe for you a truth church, what mental image would you form in your mind? Churches have different identifying marks, and so if we were to speak of a truth church, what comes to mind? might depend upon your experience of the church here and in other places. I hope as you think about a truth church, you think about a church that faithfully preaches God's Word. But based on your experience, there may be some baggage associated with that truth church. Some churches have rightly built a culture around proclaiming and defending the truth of God's Word, but have wrongly done so in a harsh manner. Maybe you have experienced this. Maybe you have been burned in a church that has fiercely defended the doctrines of Christ, but has said little of experiencing the person of Jesus Christ. All of us have a different mental image in our minds when we think about a truth church. And so it is helpful, maybe even needful, for us to lay those aside for a few moments as we consider what John has to say in his third epistle about truth and about a truth church. Because here in this passage, I believe he is defining truth and calling us to experience and express truth. Now, you heard it in the first four verses when the word truth was used four times in those four verses that as John is describing his love for Gaius, he, a friend of his, a, a child of his in the Spirit, that he says that he loves him in the truth. And as he writes, he is, he's commingling uh, with, his, uh, with his prayer for Gaius, a prayer for well-being, and delight in Him with this speech of truth. It's, 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 a, it's a speech of warmth. As He speaks of truth and speaks of His friend, but yet in those first four verses, He still has not defined truth until He gets to verse 5. And for those of us who may have had negative connotations with a truth church from our experience in the past, verse 5 may have brought or may bring a bit of whiplash. Because as John begins to define truth there, we will see that he defines it in this way. Selfless, loving, humble, Christian hospitality. Listen again to verses 5-8. through eight. Beloved, this is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Yes, yeah, this leader in the church has taken in strangers 
He's loved them. He's supported them. He's sent them out. It is a, it's a picture of Christian hospitality. But it's also a special kind of Christian hospitality. Because who were these strangers that Gaius has, has welcomed in? They were missionaries. They were evangelists who were going about the region proclaiming the name. This is the name of Christ. And as Gaius welcomes them in, he is supporting their work and even joining in their work. And John is commending him. He's commending him, and in doing so, in this context of truth, he is proclaiming that Christian hospitality is a vital element of truth ministry. Has that been your experience? I have a friend and mentor in North Carolina who once made a comment that stuck with me. He said that we have never in human history had nicer, more well-appointed homes, and yet never in human history been more reticent to invite people into them. The comment stuck with me, possibly because it stung. I related to the comment, and I wonder if you might as well. As it stung, I began to ask myself, why? Why might I be hesitant to invite people into my home? Why might we? Look, I don't put my family up as an example of Christian hospitality. We have Gaius for that in this text, and we have many of you who excel in this spiritual gift and have been a blessing to me to, uh, to, to see the way you have loved well. But I will share with you some of the blessings that I and my family have begun to experience as we've been challenged in this area of Christian hospitality and more specifically being hospitable to fellow workers for the truth. Over the years that we have been here, we have had the blessing of hosting many in our home, many from this community, many from this country, many from around the world. And our family has been the blessing of this, or has been the recipient of blessing in this. But one particular example sticks out to me that I'll share with you. And as I do so, I'll ask you kids. Kids, you, you enjoy a good adventure story, right? So do the parents, but you children enjoy it in a particular way. You love hearing stories of, of adventure, tales of, of faraway lands. Well, guess what? So do my kids. They enjoy hearing these stories. And I remember one particular time when they got to relish in those stories. We were enjoying the blessing of hospitality, not at, of Christian hospitality, not at our house, but at somebody else's house. Actually, members of our church, Buck and Teresa Davis. And we were there with them as they were entertaining, hosting, serving these Christian missionaries from a faraway land. Do you have any guess who these Christian missionaries were that Buck and Teresa were hosting? Their children. 
Did you know that Michael and Michelle and at least some of their kids used to be in England? And they were serving the church there. And, and I remember this night we were in Buck and Teresa's home and, and hearing the tales of, of the mission field. And as we were leaving, my kids began to reflect on this and talk about what a blessing it was to be able to, to get to know and be with people who were serving the Lord all over this world. Those examples of Michael and Michelle it had been examples of friends of ours who had stayed in our home from Africa, from India, from other parts of this country. They recognized, even at that young age, that they were being shaped by this influence. And so parents, might I make just a brief point of application in this area. Teach your children truth by being hospitable. Because they will learn from experience far more than from what you say. Teach your children truth by inviting others into your home that they might share life, that you might share life with them. Why do we neglect this? Why do we neglect the call to the truth ministry of Christian hospitality? Well, maybe because of our schedules. Maybe because of our messy houses. Maybe because of fear of awkwardness around new people. But when we neglect the call to Christian hospitality, we neglect truth. And we also neglect shaping the next generation. So John commends Gaius. And he shares this truth with us that not all are called to go, but all are called to play a part. So let us be a truth church marked by Christian hospitality and humility. That's how John defines truth. But in so doing in this letter, he also points to another who didn't define truth, but who instead denied it. Three men are mentioned by name in this text. The second is Diotrephes. Diotrephes denied truth. Now, I want you to remember for a second as we have been through these first and second letters of John that he has spoken about false teachers and when John has spoken about false teachers, he's called them out for their specific error. He's called them out for their false doctrine. But with that in mind, there's no mention of doctrinal error in 3 John when it comes to Diotrephes. His issue was not a lack of orthodoxy in his teaching. His issue was a lack of orthodoxy in his life. And his false living which was contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ, made him then a false teacher. Did you hear what John said of Diotrephes? He likes to put himself first. It's a rather sad mouthful. I can't think of much worse that you could say about a preacher of the gospel that he likes to put himself first. Maybe because it is the most contrary thing you could say about a person in terms of Christ-likeness. The comment is a 
is a general comment about selfishness, but John will get more specific as he speaks against Diotrephes. The first thing he says in defense of his false, as an example of his false living, his selfish living, is that he rejects authority. He has spoken wicked nonsense about the Apostle John. Diotrephes has rejected connection with the broader church. He wants nothing to do with the broader church, the authority structures God has put in place, and he wants to run his own show. That's one of the examples John puts forth of his denial of the truth. As you think about that, this rejection of authority, it's tempting to focus on somebody else, but maybe for a moment we ought to look inward. How do we view authority? I've come to believe that this issue of authority might be one of the most enlightening areas in which we can look in our own hearts to see how we view the Word of God, how we view the authority of God by the way we view the authority structures He has put in place for His glory and for our good. We must look inward to see how we have responded to the authority structures God has put over us. Search the Word of God. You will see throughout his wisdom and his design for our well-being. Yet far too often we reject them in favor of our own way, much like Diotrephes. He rejected the truth. He rejected humility. But there's a second specific that John puts forward when it comes to Diotrephes. In addition to rejecting authority, he rejects gospel, hum, uh, gospel hospitality. Listen again at the end of verse 10. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. He put himself first. And no matter how clear Diotrephes' teaching may have been, his life spoke a lie. A lie that was counter to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in so doing, he hindered the progress of the Word. So back to where we began. I asked you about a truth church. What was the picture you had in your mind? The text doesn't indicate that Diotrephes spoke with his lips. Falsehood. But is the church called merely to proclaim a clear teaching? I believe there's more. And I believe John is pointing to us here that this clear proclamation of the teaching of the Word must be accompanied by a life that lives out this clear teaching in the form of humility and hospitality. So John is clear. To walk in truth is to humble ourselves and to join in the work of the kingdom at least partially by showing hospitality to kingdom workers. As a church leader, I do not take lightly what I am about to say. It has given me pause throughout the week. I promise you this. But beware. 
Beware of selfish leaders in the church who do not recognize God's authority structures and thus do their own thing. But in addition to being being wary of those church leaders, in addition to looking in others, let us look in ourselves. John's not merely telling us how the church is to be run. He's telling us how we are to live in light of the church and live in light of truth. And so don't be selfish. Don't reject God's blessing of authority structures and don't reject, don't neglect His call to loving, humble, Christ-like hospitality. John lays these two paths before us in this epistle, the definition of truth and the denial of truth. But having laid out these two perspectives, John now bids us choose. Verse 11, he addresses Gaius again and and us. As he says, beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. In 1993, Nike uh, aired a controversial advertisement. Imagine that. Uh, they, they, they put an ad out there, and part of it was meant for shock factor, though some of it was also meant for truth. And though it was controversial, I believe it also had some redeeming value. 1993 was the year that Charles Barkley won the MVP award for the, the National Basketball Association. And he came to Nike with an idea for an advertisement. Uh, the, the, the ad opens up with Barkley throwing down a few power dunks, slinging a few elbows. And after he did these things, he looked into the camera and said, I am not a role model. Well, guess what? People didn't like the ad. They felt like a, a well-paid NBA player ought to have some uh, role <laughs> as a role model, uh, ought to uh, set an example for others. And I don't know that Barkley was necessarily denying that, but it wasn't the point. Because you see, later in the ad, Barkley again looked at the camera and made a statement to parents and to children when he said, Parents are role models. Barkley was pointing children, I think all of us, uh, to the proper role models, to those whom we are to properly imitate. Who are our role models? Where does the text point us? Notice again, I've said it before, that John is not pointing out heresy in Diotrephes' teaching. Barclay may have been a good role model if you were trying to learn how to play the position of a power forward. In that particular area, he might have been a good role model, but in other areas of life, definitely not. And he was proclaiming that. If you're looking for how to plan a lesson? Well, I don't know. Diotrephes might have been fine. But John is pointing out the flaw 
in his life. That his life showed a disconnect with the truth of the Gospel. The truth of Gospel humility. The truth of Gospel hospitality. So as John commends Gaius for walking in this truth, he puts forward another man for him to imitate. The third man specifically mentioned in this text, Demetrius. Gaius probably knew him. He probably was the one who had delivered this letter from John. But of importance in this text and for us is that Demetrius' life reflected the truth of the Gospel. The text tells us that he had received a good testimony from others, that he received a good testimony from John, and that he had in fact received a good testimony from truth itself. Which means that when you measured Demetrius' life against the yardstick of Christ-like humility, of Christ-like hospitality, his life was found to be in accord with that truth. So John told Gaius and us to find truth lovers and to imitate them and to let them be our role models in terms of Christ-like humility, in terms of Christ-like hospitality. So how are we doing? Again, are we a truth church as defined by John in John's third Epistle, are you a truth family? Are you a truth individual? If not, why not? Could it be that we've tried? That that we've tried to model our lives to be in accord with others who do this well, but we've done so with a man-centered approach. Maybe we have tried to offer Christian hospitality, but we've done so with a man-focused mentality of entertaining. Trusting in our own strength. And as we have done so, trusting in our own strength, we've only found ourselves lacking. John calls us to imitate good particularly in this area of truth. It's a concept that is found throughout Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate Demetrius, imitate Gaius as they imitate Christ. But then you might ask, where is, where is Jesus in this text? I don't know if you noticed this, but as I was reading this text, not once did I read the name of Jesus. In fact, 3 John is the only letter in the New Testament that does not mention Jesus by name. But do not miss this, that throughout these 15 verses, Jesus is found in every verse. (laughs) In this call, to be humble, hospitable, truth lovers. Know this. Jesus frees us from the man-centered approach to entertain others. And He does so through our union in Him. 
And through our union in Christ, He gives us the ability to experience gospel humility, to experience gospel hospitality as He has offered it to us. And as we experience it through Christ, through union in Him, we then can let go of the man-centered approach to entertaining and finally learn to share truth, to share loving hospitality. John tells us that whoever does good is from God and whoever does evil has not seen God. This being from God, as we've seen throughout John's epistles, speaks of the new birth. It speaks of those who have been born again into Christ. Then he says that those who do evil have not seen God. This seeing God is not some reference to a mystical vision in a dream, but rather a mystical union in Christ. It's speaking to oneness in Jesus that is central to this call to imitate good. I've come to believe that we struggle, that I struggle with truth because far too often I separate Christ from His benefits. I look for these benefits, but I don't focus on the benefit of Jesus Himself. And when I do that, I find that I separate obedience from Christ with Christ. We do this when we focus on a system of doctrine more than the person of Jesus. But the Scripture tells us, John himself tells us in his Gospel account that Jesus is the way. That Jesus is the truth. That Jesus is the life. Jesus is the one in whom we have rest. Jesus is the one in whom we have cleansing. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the fountain of living water. Jesus is the embodiment of Christian hospitality. Jesus is the one who stands with open arms, ready to receive those whom He has loved from before the beginning of time. Jesus is truth. And those who are united to Him will reflect truth to a watching world so that the watching world will see Jesus. Friends at Christ Church, let us be a truth church. Let us be a humble church. Let us be a hospitable church. Let us be a church that clings to Jesus. And in so doing, let us be truth lovers. So that through Him and in Him, we might show loving hospitality to our fellow believers in this community, our fellow believers around the world, and to all who are looking for the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank You and praise You for this Word for the way you lead us in truth and make us truth lovers, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.